Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Well, I want to welcome you here today, too. I'm really glad that you've been able to gather here this morning to worship. And uh, though I wish I could be with you, I'm also very excited to be up at the harbor right now uh, with a small group. About 21, 22 of us are gathered at our prayer retreat. And uh, we're enjoying a special time together there. So our hearts are with you. We're glad to be there. But I'm glad to be with you this way right now. I'm sure Kristen has already highlighted to you, and you can see around the building the fact that we've had an amazing first week of day camps with our kids, and I was privileged to be part of that. And it's exciting to see, uh, you know, 25, 26, 27 kids and more coming to reconnect into the life of our church. I'm very, very happy about that. And uh, I hope that you've been praying for us. I ask you to keep praying for us and also uh, to be attentive and aware of the things that, well, ways that you may be able to serve as we, as we move forward in all the ways we're trying to reconnect as a church. So really, really great. A big thanks to all who are serving this morning, uh, serving you, uh, the worship team, the sound, media, for all those who are just making it happen. Big thanks to all of you. And uh, anyway, I'm just glad to be, to be here today. We're exploring, continuing to explore this series on true friendship, what it means to walk together, what it means to walk with God. So it's good to be, good to be with you. I stumbled across Dion Leonard on a recent running podcast, and his story really caught my attention. Dion Leonard is this amazing world-class ultra runner who has competed all over the world in these epically long multi-day races. Well, Dion Leonard was on the second day of a seven-day race through the Gobi Desert in China when an unexpected meeting changed his life. Dion looked down to see a small dog had joined him and was matching him stride for stride, running along with him. Well, that's kind of interesting, but that dog stuck with Dion. Over the course of the next five days through the Gobi Desert, this accidental following became an enduring friendship. Gobi was one of the hardest things I've ever done, but her finding me was one of the best. Gobi's changed my life in so many ways, but I've changed her life as well. I was running a six-stage, seven-day race across the Gobi Desert when on day two of the race, this little stray dog came out of nowhere and started to run with me. And we would run together throughout the, the whole day, crossing the Tian Shan Mountains and down into the Gobi Desert. To see this little dog run all of that distance alongside me really made me smile and made me think what incredible determination she had to uh, want to finish the race with me. Well, 
Well, during the race, I fell in love with Gobi. So I made her a promise to bring her home and I wanted to give her the better life. During the process of bringing Gobi home, unfortunately, I received a phone call to say she'd gone missing. I was heartbroken. I flew all the way back out from Edinburgh in Scotland to Beijing and then out to Urumqi to, to look for her. I set up a search and volunteer team, which started with one person, and uh, more and more people would come to join the search. Uh, when we finally received a phone call to say, we think we found your dog, I was delighted to walk into this family's home and to realise that it was Gobi and that she was alive and that she was back into my arms again and I was going to keep the promise to take her home. Well Gobi still loves to run. She loves running in the summer and running into the rivers and just having a great time. We run together in the mountains in, in France where we live now and sharing those experiences with Gobi every day makes my heart grow and uh, puts a smile on my face. I'd probably ask her why me. It'd be interesting to know things from Gobi's side, where she came from, where she was living, what she was doing out in the, the desert, and why she chose me. The answers we'll never know. Isn't that a terrific story? I haven't read his book yet, but I fully in t intend to. There's something so endearing about this story of a small dog meeting this runner and just the way that their lives came together in this story, Finding Gobi. But did you hear how Dion talked about it? Through the circumstances that are so random, Dion carries a sense of destiny. He's even wondering why Gobi chose him. And there's so much gratitude for this friendship that has changed his life and, of course, the dog's life too. And in this story, I think we can glimpse something that is similar to our relationship with God and how our following becomes friendship. You see, in the unfolding story of Scripture, we see men and women who are called to walk before God, called to walk after God's ways, to follow Him in how they live, how they worship, how they work, how they relate to one another, how they interact with the world. And walking is such a powerful biblical metaphor. It's a metaphor for a way of life. And in the story of God's people, walking before God, walking with God, represents a life of covenant faithfulness, of following in the ways of God, the ways of justice, the ways of mercy, the ways of humility. But that following was going somewhere because God was going somewhere. We talked last week about how God desired this friendship with humans, created us for it. And though we betrayed that friendship, God didn't give up on it. He pursued it. This God was going somewhere, and those who walked with him were going there too. Because when Jesus arrived on the scene, you know, after a few preliminary stories, what's the first thing that Jesus did? pretty much the very first thing Jesus did was called people to follow him. Quite literally to follow him. Jesus was actually walking by people and he would look at them and he would say to them, follow me. Follow me. Come. Follow me. 
And some of them, as we know, did. Of course, there's the famous 12 disciples who did, but actually many more did. Men and women who stepped out and began to match Jesus' stride for stride as he walked through the Galilean countryside, as he walked in covenant faithfulness before his father, as he walked and talked, as he preached and healed, as he lived the very kingdom of God that had come to earth. And that following was going somewhere too, wasn't it? Because Jesus was going somewhere. And kind of like Dion and Gobi, this following was developing into something special, a bond of friendship that God had always desired and was now offering to people, offering to his world, offering to us through Jesus Messiah, the Son of God. And it's this friendship that we're trying to bring into focus during this series and even in our conversation today. I want to just lead us through a short portion of Jesus' teaching. It was a a much longer block that Jesus had offered to his disciples just in the last few hours before his betrayal, his arrest, his mock trial and crucifixion. He offered this to his friends in an upper room. And Jesus seemed very eager to share as much as he possibly could with his followers just before the cross. And there's, there's a ton in there. It's called the Upper Room Discourse. Starts in John 13, goes all the way through John 17. And we're just going to look at a small portion of that in John 15, where Jesus speaks about how our following becomes friendship. And what he says is so encouraging to me, and I hope and pray it's encouraging to you. I hope you find it life-giving, inspirational, something that you can mull over, reflect on, and come back to. Let me just pray for us as we continue today. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would bring now understanding to us. You would open our hearts and minds to receive what you have for us. Jesus, you've called us your friends. And today, we humbly come to receive from you deeper insight into what that means. How our following has become friendship. So lead us now more deeply into truth about you and about ourselves. In your name we pray. Amen. So how does following become friendship? Jesus shows us here in John 15. And I'll let you simply walk through that with you today. We're walking through this together at the retreat. We're walking through this together whether we're watching online or whether we're gathered here at the church building. The first thing we notice is that following means being connected with being connected with Jesus. In John 15, verse 9, Jesus said this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. The very first thing Jesus wants his followers to understand is this. We've got to stay connected to him. Our connection to Jesus is everything because he is everything. Now, John actually opens up this whole section right at the beginning of chapter 15. He he opens up with a famous garden analogy where he talks about, you know, I'm the vine, you are the branches. It's it's quite a famous metaphor, actually. And in John 15, 5, just a few verses before verse 9, 
we read this. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So when Jesus says here that we are to remain in his love, or other translations, they abide in his love, he's talking about our connectedness. You know, him in us and us in him. There's a real, a real closeness here that Jesus is trying to get at, that being connected to Jesus, connected with Jesus, is about knowing who our source of life really is. It's about discovering that life is found only in Jesus and that we are actually needing to stay connected to him in every way if we are to flourish, if we are to be fruitful, if we are to be faithful. We've discovered who life is, and staying connected to him is everything. As a follower of Jesus, there's no way around this. You may be exploring faith today, and so being able to hear that and understand that is really important. That as you watch people who say, I follow Jesus, that essentially what they're trying to say is that Jesus isn't just a, a, a set of, you know, ideas that I follow, but a person. And being connected to him is essential. It's not just a religion, but rather a relationship. That being connected to Jesus is not about rules and regulation, but about this life-giving connection with Jesus Christ himself. This is quite practical. The same as last week, we talked about how God enjoys spending focused time with us. And in many ways, we just see this here again, that Jesus is saying, we got to stay connected in this engaged, open, authentic relationship. And this happens in our daily walk with Jesus. What does it mean to be connected? It does mean that we enjoy focused time with Jesus. It does mean that we read that we soak in, that we memorize, that we study God's word. It does mean that we worship, that we pray, that these spiritual habits and practices are crucial to our life in Christ, that we actually pay attention to how we are connected to him. It keeps us plugged in. It keeps us centered. It keeps us learning and growing and open and listening. But Jesus does something important here because he never lets us stop there. There's a bit of a temptation. It has been true in Christian history. It's been true sometimes in certain Christian circles. A temptation to sort of make this connectedness that Jesus talks about um, a little too private, a little too much just about us. And while Jesus wants our relationship with him to flourish, He's never going to let us just stop there and make it only about us, only about our private relationship with him. Jesus immediately and consistently, he always makes a connection with how we also engage others. Because you see what he does? From this connection with, he immediately moves to a command, a command to. In verse 10, we read, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. He's tying the obedience to love. Then he says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command 
is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay one's life down for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Followers of Jesus are not just connected with, but commanded to. Commanded to love. Which Jesus says is directly connected, directly related to our connection with him. That that they actually mutually reinforce each other. That one leads to the other, and then the other leads back to the beginning again. Using the garden analogy, this is one of those roots and fruits thing. That as we are connected to Jesus, love is the result. Love that is commanded is also sourced by Jesus. Now, the command that Jesus gives is very clear, right? It's very unequivocal. We are to love others as Jesus has loved us, which includes this self-sacrificing for each other. That's the command. It's actually crystal clear. But that command to love is sourced and resourced by Jesus himself. It enables us to remain in his love, just as Jesus remained in the Father's love. We don't pull that love out of our own selves, but rather, as people who are rooted in Christ, who are connected with Jesus, we're able to be sourced by his love, therefore loving others as he has loved us. So are you struggling to love others? I know that some of you are. I know that we all do. I know that during this time of COVID, this time of isolation, but also this time of incredible division that we've been seeing in the church and in the world, that some of us are really struggling to love, struggling to figure out how to forgive, struggling to figure out how to even approach members of our own family to discuss things that have hurt us or things that we've been offended by or things that have upset us. I know that we are struggling to love. This is true at a broader culture, but this is true right down to individual friendships and family. The struggle to love is real. And what we hear right now in the beginning is, first of all, the love's not optional. Jesus actually tells us to love the way he loved us, which is incredibly sacrificially. But also, he tells us he's the source of that love. And so even here, right now, we could pause and say, if we're struggling to love, we have to go back to the source. We have to focus on the connectedness that we have with Jesus, that we are with Jesus, walking with Jesus, spending time with Jesus, allowing his word to filter our minds, to correct our hearts, to challenge our own lack of forgiveness, our own struggle with resentment, even our own hurt, being connected to Jesus in prayer, bringing these different situations or concerns to him in conversation with him rather than perhaps conversations with others. Being connected with him is the bottom, the foundation, the very fountainhead from which our love comes. And so if we're struggling to love, we go back to our connection with Jesus. But then out of that, we do what he tells us. We love sacrificially. We love in action. We may not feel that love, but Jesus tells us to do it anyway. This connectedness with Jesus leads to a following of his command to love. This is beautiful because I think it sources this real thing that following Jesus means. You know, we're not into religiosity, nor are we into pride, nor are we into looking good, nor are we into just protecting ourselves. We're into being connected with Jesus and then following his love command. That's what it means to be 
a follower of Jesus. Well, these first two aspects of how following becomes friendship, they're essential. We never leave that. That's right at the rock bottom. Staying connected to Jesus and obediently loving others as Jesus has loved us. In some ways, you could say, there is no such thing as friendship with God that doesn't start and stay here. You can't be a friend of God without being connected to Jesus. Nor can you be a friend of Jesus without loving others the way he's loved us. This is essential. It's what walking after Jesus, this is what it looks like descriptively. If you were to say, this is what it means, that's what you would be describing. And notice how loving God and loving others, which is the way that uh, you could summarize all of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, all, all of the law, you could summarize it, love God and love others. Jesus himself said, it's all summarized, the law and the prophets, love God, heart, mind, soul, strength, love your neighbor as yourself, beautifully summarized. But here, Jesus actually tightens that, doesn't he? It's not just loving God generically, but rather it's being connected and remaining in the love of the Son of God, the Son of God who was remained in his Father's love. It's, it's very tightened. It, it's actually connected directly to Jesus. So not just loving God generically, but remaining in the love of Christ, the love of Jesus, the Messiah. What's more, we're not told to just love our neighbor as ourself, but even more tighter than that, we're now told to love others the way that Jesus has loved us. Jesus is everything. Being connected to him and following his command is where everything goes. Starts with connection, starts with command. But it's now on that foundation that Jesus builds. That's all true, Jesus says. But now he wants us to come to a new understanding of what that means for us, of who that makes us as his followers. And this is where I think things get wild. This is where I get excited. This is what I hope you carry with you today. Because listen to what Jesus says next. He says, I no longer call you servants. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. From connection to command, Jesus now tells us that he confides in us. Confides in us as friends. This is such a huge thing. I hope you hear this. I'm not sure I really catch this. Now, I've heard this for years, but every time I come back to it, there's something powerful here. Because Jesus does something so significant. He actually says, I'm not going to call you a servant anymore. I mean, we would all say, well, I'm, I'm still a servant, you know? Yeah, I get it. But Jesus is saying, that's not how I think of you anymore. That's not how I refer to you anymore. I'm not calling you a friend. Why? Because in some ways, servants are uninformed. Servants just do what they're told. Servants just you know, pick up this pot, move it there. Go here and buy this. Yep, okay, yep. They don't know why. They don't necessarily know what the big picture is. They don't need to. Just go and do what you're told. And Jesus says, that's not you anymore because I've opened up the playbook. 
I brought you into the war room. You know, when you were kids, there's certain conversations that mom and dad would have when all of a sudden they'd realize they were having it in front of you and all of a sudden the conversation would shut down. Or they'd maybe even tell you, uh, <clears throat> why, don't you uh, why don't you boys go play outside? You know, that kind of thing. Because, oh, all of a sudden they're having a conversation that they don't want you to be part of. And maybe you remember all of a sudden realizing you were old enough to be part of the big people conversation. All of a sudden, mom and dad didn't ask you to leave anymore when they talked about, you know, Uncle Joey. Or, or all of a sudden, they were willing to discuss certain adult things because you were now an adult. Your status had changed. You were now part of the conversation of what was really going on. Jesus says here, look, you're not excluded You're not hidden. You're not uninformed. You're now moving from an uninformed servant to an informed friend. You're being welcomed into a private conversation that Jesus has been having with his Father. We aren't just told to just obey anymore, but rather we're shown what God is really up to, what he's really doing, what his purpose is, why he's called us to follow him in the first place which makes sense of our connection, and it makes sense of Jesus' command. It's all coming together now. I I love this. Jesus says, everything the Father has told me, I've made known to you. And I know some of you think, really? Everything? (laughs) I mean, are you sure? And I think to myself, well, how is that possible? Because I don't know everything that's going on. (laughs) You know, I'm not clear what's happening half the time, three quarters quarter, anytime. I don't know. It feels like I'm in the dark. But Jesus says, no, I've made known to you what I'm doing. I've made known to you where I'm going, how I'm remaking the world through my own sacrifice, how I'm going to defeat death and rise again. Now, he does say in that larger portion in John, some of the stuff I'm saying to you, you're not even going to understand now, but the Holy Spirit is going to come soon. And he's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to explain all this to you. He's going to make it all sense. And we, friends, are on the other side of that. Jesus is saying, I brought you in. You're now my friends. I'm not holding anything back. You are an informed friend, not an uninformed servant. And if there's ever a time where we wonder, but I don't understand what's going on, it's actually an invitation back into God's word, into the story of Jesus into what God has done and is doing as he's revealed it through his son, through his written word. In some ways, the Bible is like that letter that might have been written to you, explaining everything about your family and everything about what's going on in a sealed envelope and delivered to you, you know, after someone's death. And you think to yourself, wow, if I open this letter and read it, I'll finally understand everything about my family. But friends, guess what? If you never opened that letter, if you just left it sealed and sitting in a top drawer, you'd have the ability to understand, but you wouldn't know any more than you did before. It required you to open up the envelope, to pull out what's been written, and to read it through and understand it. And God's word is like that. We've been given. Jesus has revealed himself to us and taught us and shown us who he is and who the Father is and what he's all about but it requires us to open it up, to engage, to pray through it, to study through it, to understand so that we can know what it is that Jesus has revealed to us and has given us, not only in his word, but by 
the Spirit. This is powerful. I invite you actually to camp here, to come back to this. Jesus calls you and me friends. He's opened himself up and brought us into the conversation. This is powerful. But there's even more. I mean, from connected with to commanded to to now now, uh, confided in. It's all going somewhere. And what Jesus wants to say is, look, all of this is because I wanted you. And that's where he goes next. The start of verse 16, Jesus says, you did not choose me. I chose you. We've been chosen by Jesus. We are responding to an initiative that the Father has taken through Jesus and by the Spirit. And friends, this is the thing you need to hear today. You are wanted. God created you for friendship with him. Jesus chose you as one of his friends. And this is powerful. This is something that I think, you know, we need to have transform our understanding of ourselves. That Jesus chose you as his friend. You're not an afterthought. It didn't just happen by chance. Jesus wants you. He calls you. He desires you. He planned for you. And you know, this isn't just about some uh, predestination debate. I know maybe you've been around Christian circles and you've heard about this. Maybe you haven't. It doesn't matter. Some of the people get way off in the weeds. I'm trying to figure all that out. But that's not the point here. <laughs> the point Jesus wants to make is, look, I wanted you. I chose you. I'm after you. I've initiated all of this, which I think is hugely helpful because when we are following Jesus, there's times where we can wonder, can we even do this? You know, is this a mistake? Can I even follow Jesus? I mean, I stumble around. I make mistakes. I forget. And we're reminded at those times where Jesus says, no, 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 no. I want you. I chose you. I want you to be my friend. I've initiated all of this. So keep coming. Jesus says, I came to you. I came after you. I've engaged you. I've connected with you. I've loved you first. I've commanded you to return my love to others. I've chosen you for this. I wanted you for this. So take confidence in that. You are my friend, Jesus says, because I wanted you first. It's always him first. It's always grace first. And that gives us incredible confidence as we move forward not just as followers of Jesus, but as friends of him too. Because these two truths brought together, that Jesus chose us as his friends and confides in us as his friends, this absolutely transforms how we think about ourselves. I hope it transforms your thinking. That you can look in the mirror and say, wow, I may not think much of myself. I may really struggle at times to to think accurately about who I am. But Jesus wanted me. Jesus confides in me. Jesus is connected to me. And Jesus commands me to love with the love he's already loved me with. That changes you, doesn't it? It changes me. 
It changes us. Our connection with Jesus, this command he's given us, it's not something we're just doing blindly anymore. It's not something we do without understanding. We now do that as friends. We now do that as confidants of Jesus Christ. This is everything. But then Jesus tops it all off, right? If you've been paying attention, I'm going with C's today. So, connection, command, confided, and then chosen. But the last one is that we've been commissioned. Commissioned for fruit. Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Love each other. All of this connection and command and confiding and chosen by it all leads to our commissioning. Our commissioning as friends to bear fruit. To flourish as God's friends. In many ways, it's all about compounding what Jesus has already said. It's about more connections being made. It's about more people discovering that God wants them. It's about more people experiencing the love of Jesus through his followers, through his friends. It's about more people realizing that they have been confided in, that Jesus has come to them and he's calling them to follow him into friendship more and more men and women and children discovering that they have a friend who wants to be their friend, the kind of friend that will change their life forever. I want you to note here that there's this extra note of intimacy where Jesus says here, you know, you will ask anything of my Father in my name and you'll get it. He can say this with incredible confidence because he knows now that he's talking to friends. Friends of his. Friends who are remaining connected to him and remaining in his love. Who are loving others with the self-sacrificing love of Jesus. Who understand the big picture of what's going on. Who know that it's grace first because God has chosen them. And they've given their whole lives over to seeing more and more people. More and more uh, places in this world. Seeing darkness push back and new creation come. And those kind of people, man... When they ask God for something, he's listening. When they speak to the Father in the name of Christ, the Father is there to align with them because they are already aligned with him through Jesus Christ. There's a beautiful intimacy here, a beautiful remaining, a a beautiful love that's being shared in this mission of seeing the whole world transformed through Christ. You see how Jesus is going somewhere? When Jesus walks by people, Back then, when Jesus walks by people today and he calls them to follow him into friendship, he's going somewhere. This is where he's going. Well, practically then, as we close today, I want to challenge you, encourage you to take actually these five truths about how our following becomes friendship. And I actually want to invite you to do something really practical. This is my suggestion to you. You can do some variation of it, of it if you want, but this is my suggestion to you. You take these five things, and for the next five days, starting Monday, if you're watching this or listening to this on Sunday, that you actually take one of those for each day of the week, and you journal them. You reflect on them. 
using this passage from John 15 or other passages if you'd like. So on Monday, you look at what it means to be connected with Jesus. You reflect on that. Maybe journal on that. Write a prayer. And ask Jesus to reveal to you, what does it mean for me to be connected with you? How does I connect with even the way that I love others? That, that'll be Tuesday. But uh, what does it mean to be connected with you, Jesus? How do you want to be connected with me? What's a practical way I can even experience that more in my daily life? And on Tuesday, you would look at what it means for me to be commanded to love the way that Jesus has loved me. And you might have some people in your life right now that, well, obeying the command to love is something you're going to have to do because Jesus has told you to. What does that mean? Who do I need to reach out to? Who do I need to pray for? What do I need to do? Journal that. Journal that. Pray about that. Talk about that with a spiritual friend. On Wednesday, I'd love you to just soak in the fact that Jesus has called you a friend. That Jesus has confided in you as a friend. Soak in that. Journal that. Reflect on that. Ruminate on that. On Thursday, the fact that you've been chosen by Jesus as a friend should fill your lungs with freedom and joy. When Jesus said earlier he wants your joy to be complete, I think this is such a joy-filled reflection. Jesus, you chose me. Take that with you into the day on Thursday. Journal it, speak about it, pray about it, mull it over. You've been chosen by Jesus. And then on Friday, reflect on, journal about what you've been commissioned for, what we've been commissioned for, where all of this connectedness and command and confided in and chosen, where it's all going, being commissioned for fruit. How does that affect you, your thoughts about life? the things you're concerned about? How does it affect the way you think about your money, your time, your kids, your schooling, your work? How does it challenge the way you're thinking about the Erickson Covenant Church and your part in it? One of the things that really strikes me is that these reflections as we think about all these things, you know, it's not just about us individually, is it? It's about us as a whole church. It's about our local church as we think about reemerging from COVID and engaging again, about this big regathering plan and being reconnected and refreshed and reimagining together what it means for us to be the church. We've been commissioned for fruit. Jesus has chosen us for that. He's given us his mission. He's called us to love. And he is with us. So, as you go this week, take this with you. Jesus has called you his friend. You're no longer an ignorant servant. You are now an informed friend. And friends, that does make all the difference. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, the fact that you've called us friends is astonishing. It is humbling. It is also so enriching and exciting. I pray today for us, the Erickson Covenant Church, 
for anyone who might be listening to this online, anyone who's gathered in the building to, to hear this this morning. Would this transform us? Would you use this to change the way we think about ourselves and each other? Would you move us forward more deeply into friendship with you for the sake of the fruit that will last? More people, more corners of this world, more of your creation being connected with you and discovering all you have. We give you glory and praise today and thank you for calling us your friends. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.